You're listening to the Monumental Me Mindshare Podcast. We're collecting stories and having conversations with real people who inspire us to thrive in life. Thinkers and doers and people like you. This is Liana Slater of Monumental Me. Today, we're speaking with Fred Berman. Fred is a New York-based actor and musician. He's had a long career in acting and music, and most recently, he performs with the hugely popular Broadway show, The Lion King. Fred and I talk about how to succeed in this highly competitive and difficult industry, how he manages the constant uncertainty and change, and the drivers behind the pivotal moments in his career, and in his personal life as a husband and a father of two. And you'll want to hear Fred's answer to my key question, what would you tell your 26-year-old self? Thanks for joining us. Welcome, Fred. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thrilled to be here. It's great to, to hear your voice. It's been a long time. It's been a while, yes. And I know this is in our virtual podcast world when I say happy to have you here. I wish I was sitting across from you right now and we could grab a drink afterwards. But COVID is keeping us all at home. Um Boo COVID. Yeah, boo. But we're here, which is great. So Fred, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an introduction and then I'm going to hand it over to you. But you and I are childhood friends. So yes. we met, <laughs> I think we met in junior high school, right? We went to different elementary schools and from Manhasset, New York. And we hadn't been in touch for a while until um, I took my children about 10 years ago, which is crazy. I took my children to see The Lion King on Broadway and I heard your voice. I didn't even know you were in that production. Oh, you didn't know I was in it? Not before I was there. I heard That's your crazy. Voice. Yep. So it wasn't even a visual recognition at first because you were in your full costume. You were <laughs> yeah. Timon, right? Arguably the best character in The Lion King. Arguably, I would say <laughs> yes, yes. But I heard your voice and I was like looking through the playbill. I'm like, this is crazy. I, I that's that's Fred. That's Fred Berman. Um anyhow, What's annoying me-, me so much? This this I'm getting this PTSD from from junior high school and high school. This no. this annoying voice. Oh no, no it was Fred great. Berman. It was great. So then I reached out to you and you're like, Yep, that was me. And that was even actually days after I reached out to you. I didn't even like, you know, storm into the backstage. Um but yeah, so that was awesome. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about you, this wonderful career you've made out of your voice and through other means, acting, performing, producing. So just how would you like us to know you today? Oh, wow. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Fred Berman. I'm an actor. Um, uh, what do I do? I, I've been in the, the Lion King playing Timon for 10 years. Been very lucky to be able to do that on uh, the Broadway company. And looking forward to getting back to that. We're currently in rehearsals right now. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be opening with All Things Goes planned September 14th with the rest of Broadway. So that's very exciting, very emotional. Uh, I live in Westchester, New York, with my wife, who's also, I don't know if you know this, she went to St. Mary's, which was oh. the, the school right next to ours. I did not. Uh, yeah, very random, random thing. So she knew a lot of people that we knew growing up. Uh, I got two great kids, Ben and Izzy, who are going to be starting school very soon. Um, and that's really like the main thing. And then, yeah, other than Lion King, I've, I've been very lucky to be working as an actor pretty much since graduating college. And I, I do a lot of voiceovers. Audiobook narration is uh, is a big thing for me. And that's I was very lucky during this whole shutdown that I was able to continue doing that during all of this. Uh, so that's something that I love doing. It's a lot of fun and has, has kept me really busy. And played when we were in high school, I was 
playing drums a lot and I continued to do that. I played in a lot of bands, still do. Yeah. Uh, so, which You're is famous to an- for that in high school. That you were- <laughs> <laughs> infamous, yeah. Infamous. Yeah. And you actually, you took me to, with a bunch of friends, um, I think it was my first concert to a Rush concert. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a good one to start with. Yes. I should have led with that. That should have been my first thing. Just Fred Berman, avowed Rush fanatic. Yes. But uh, yeah, that was, that, that was, we saw a lot of good concerts in, in high school. That was good times. Yeah. It was so easy to get in, right? You just take the train, Madison Square Garden. It was super Yeah. Cool. And it was easy to get tickets. You'd go to like a record store mm-hmm. and spend 10 bucks and you're like, yeah, I'd like two tickets and you got them. Yeah. And Absolutely. now it's a whole other story. <laughs> Totally. So I was when I originally, you know, was thinking of you for the podcast several months ago. I really was like, I want to do a, an episode with with Fred on just nostalgia, like growing up in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, but that's for another one. Okay. because so, yeah, yeah. you have so many wonderful, you know, things to talk about about that, and you do have your own podcast. Tell us a little bit about that it's, very briefly, and then yeah. very briefly, it's called Opening Weekend. It's a movie podcast where we bask in the buttery glow of nostalgia, and it's me and my two best friends, and we just go back and talk about. Uh, movie opening weekends of the last 40 years and where we were. So yeah, so, so much of it. We talk about the movies, but for me, my favorite part of it is the nostalgia factor and just going back and trying to remember exactly where I was. Uh, and and I, it's something that actually brings me a lot of joy, that nostalgia. I know some people are like, keep looking forward, but I, I think there are a lot of good things about looking back at nostalgia. But yes, we can talk about that another time if you'd like. Yes, uh, yes. And there, there's so much to that. And there can be so, so much joy in looking back just with fun things that don't exist today. But what I really want to touch on is your career, the fact that you have such a um, successful career as an actor, performer, producer, just having a creative career. You've really made a go of it and, and a success story. So I would love to share kind of just, I'm going to ask you a couple questions around that to share sure. with our audience at Monumental Me just about how to kind of guide your career. I was just talking to you before this kind of about what a interesting time for the mid twenties, the age, you know, cohort of mid twenties to maybe early thirties, like making decisions. But if you can just kind of touch on what really drove you to a career in theater and music. Wow. You know, it it was, I hate to say it was like a calling, but I guess that's what it was when I really think about it. I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I, there are certain moments where it was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I certain movies that I saw or certain performances that really inspired me. Um, I mean, I'll tell you one big thing that started. I mean, I was interested in high school. I did it through high school. We had a friend. I don't know if you remember him. His name was Bill Muir. He was a, he was a year older than us. And he introduced me to the movies of Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. And that was something that really... I, I, he was inspired, you know. I've always, I've always looked to to mentors, to people, to get me excited about what they're excited in, and and I think that's really important if you can find someone like that. And so he really got me excited about these movies and this type of acting and this type of movie making. And then I remember, you know, going to really start to see theater, and I remember going to see. Um, I mean, I was doing it in in, in college, uh, but I remember. I can't remember when it was. I saw the original production of Angels in America on Broadway. And at this point, I'd already been doing it, and I knew that I wanted to do it. But I remember after the show, Stephen Spinella, who's a wonderful actor, came out the door, and he signed some autographs. There were some people there. And then he hopped on his 10-speed bike, and he rode away. And I was like, that was the moment where I thought, that's it. That's exact. I want to be able to go to my theater, do this amazing 
work of theater and art and then walk out and hop on my bike and ride to my apartment in New York City. Like I wanted that. There was something about that life that for for some reason, and, and like I said, I I knew I wanted to act before and be involved or whether it was music or whatever, that was always there. My dad was a band leader, so music was always surrounding us. So that was a, a huge part of my life as well. But for whatever reason, I just remember that moment seeing someone I guess the it was so human and so uh, relatable and touchable. He was right there, you know, and he wasn't like a big, famous, untouchable movie star. He was just a guy who was going to work and doing an amazing job at it, coming out and hopping on his bike and going home. And and I don't know, there's something about that. It was just so like literally on, on the ground that made me think, oh, this is, I could do this. That's, that's what I want to do. That's what my life, I, I don't, you know, fame and fortune, yeah, that'd be nice. Don't get me wrong, but that's not it. It's just about the work and being happy doing great work. So, that's so great, and it's so great that you mentioned having a mentor. I talk a lot about mentorship and just reaching out to ask for advice and help. But yeah, are there other people that have helped since then guide your career? Because I, it's, that's a tough. It's a tough career to really make a living out of acting. It's really tough, and you know what? If if I if I could go back, actually, I, I wish I utilized more people in that way because something that I def- and this is a good and a bad thing, I think, because, you know, you mentioned the age 26 and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, actually, 26 was pretty good for me in the sense that I was doing a lot of the things that I wanted to be doing. Like I remember at that time I I had just finished a production. I, I made a goal. I, I was like, I want to play Hamlet by the age of 25. It was just a goal in my head. So I ended up self-producing a production of it and, and playing the role of Hamlet with all my friends in the city. And it, I, it was it was a time where I was creating a lot of stuff. And that was great. And that was really good. But looking back, I wish that I had reached out for help more, that I wasn't so afraid to look to my mentors, to ask, to, to, to open my world up a little bit more and say, Hey, I'm, I'm a little unsure about this. I tell it to my kids all the time. I'm like, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't understand, just ask, like it's, it's raise your hand. It's okay with anything in school or outside of school. Like you don't have to just nod your head and pretend that you, you get it. Like I, I think we, we often do so many times, um, you know, ask for help. It's okay and be willing to, to accept what's being thrown your way, you know, what the answers may be, because there might be something different. Uh, so yeah, at that time, that was something I, th- th- yes, to answer your question, to go back, there were definitely people. And a lot of them were just my close friends, just watching, you know, I have so many incredibly talented friends that I went to college with and people that I would meet, you know, in, in other areas of work and just sort of seeing what they were doing and, and, and asking them, you know, their advice and, I think that's a huge thing too, is surrounding yourself, especially in, well, in any, any profession, but speaking for me in the, in, in the arts, just surrounding yourself with people that you enjoy working with yeah, and then inspire yeah. you and making the work together, doing stuff, to, especially now with, with technology. I mean, you can, you can make an entire movie on your iPhone, you know, everyone, <laughs> as, as we see, anyone can do a podcast now, you know, but the key is do it with those people that inspire you and, you know, that you make that sort of creative fire with. That's, that's something that I think I was doing back then, but I, 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 I wish I took even more advantage of that. Right. 
No, that's such useful and helpful advice. So just right, utilizing people that you know can can help guide you or, or that you kind of want to emulate. And then also it's, it's just surrounding yourself with the people that inspire you. Those are yeah. two really good. And it's not even, and I, I even just to say, I wish I took advantage, that, that almost gives it a negative connotation. Like it's not the idea of like, oh, I, I want to take advantage of, you know, these people. It was just more of being, letting myself be open to, having other people come in, I yeah. guess, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. In, in a very positive, positive way. No, that, that's really, really good. It's easy and, to get caught up in that drive. Like, I just got to go forward. I got to right. do this. I got to do this. auditions probably. I mean, right. I don't know. If oh, was, God. Yeah. 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 And not yeah. get really down on yourself because you have to have a lot of confidence to be able to keep putting yourself out there too. That, yeah. That it's, itself. It's, it's tough. I mean, there, there's an old trope in, 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 you know, my business that people say, I, I've heard since the beginning where people say like, if you can do anything else, do it because, you know, this is not for the, the thin skinned. It's, it's, it's tough because you just get, it's so much, 90% of it is rejection. And if you're not really in it, then it's going to wear you down. And, you know, you just have to sort of be able to keep going and, and, and yeah, like we said, surround yourself with people that inspire you and just keep doing the best work that you can. And, you know, hopefully, and, and a lot of it is luck too, you know, let's be honest, just getting, being in the right place at the right time. Um, but if you're always prepared and you're always, you're doing the work, then when that opportunity does arise, you'll be ready for it. Absolutely. And putting yourself in a lot of places so you can find that right place. I think yeah. so. that's key. Yeah. That's key. So I just want to ask you a couple of questions to give us a little bit more color on your career. What was kind of your first um your first big break, would you say? And I and I mean that to I mean you can kind of define what, what a big break means to you, I guess what success means to you. But I'm thinking like what really moved the needle on your career? Uh for me, I mean, I've been working a lot since college, thankfully. I was always busy and, and keeping and, you know, getting things paid for and whatnot. But to me, the thing that I always go back to is I did a show. It was called The Vocal Lords. It was with a company called the Chekhov Theater Ensemble. And it was it was sort of a, a Jersey Boys before Jersey Boys. Uh, it was about it was a true story about this this duop group. These uh, these two guys that formed a duop group with their friends in Brooklyn. And I met um, one of my closest friends, Ethan James Duff, who actually helped produce the podcast that I do now, Opening Weekend. We met during that show, and it was one of these things where it wasn't like a huge hit or anything, but we. We did some workshops and readings of it, and we knew that there was, you know, with the director, this, this, this producer and director by the name of Floyd Rumor, we knew that there was something special there. And so we really worked hard to to bring it to a full off-roadway production. And and it did, and we had a nice run. We had really wonderful reviews. That was my first mention in the New York Times, so that was really nice. And um, not the reviews matter, but it was it was just cool. And but from that, there was just this sense that we were really, it was almost like it, there was something very gorilla about it. We were just all working our asses off to get it going. And Ethan and I were, you know, going door to door, you know, to agents and producers and casting directors and sort of selling our wares for this show, being like, because we knew it was a great showcase for us. And and I feel, and it really worked and it, it didn't, you know, the show ended up not having the run that we might've wanted or anticipated. It was a nice run, but it, we ended up, we had to close a little earlier than we thought because it's very expensive to do theater in New York city. But from that, from all our footwork and all the work that we put into it, suddenly like people knew who we were. And so other doors 
we're opening. And and that was the moment. And then from there, I ended up doing a show at the public theater called The Normal Heart, which was, that was probably the greatest thing I've ever done just in terms of, as a theatrical experience. Not what I, I don't, what I did in the show, I can't speak of, but just for me being a part of a, a beautiful piece of art and theater, I'll never have anything like that. But also that opened the doors that, that had a lot of spotlight on it. So I was able, that helped me in many ways open even more doors, but that really came from the show, the vocal lords and just, which felt good too, because it was so much, a lot of times as an actor, you feel like you don't have a say in anything, you know, cause you're literally saying the words of someone else. Um, so, you know, being able to create something on your own. And even though we didn't write this play, the vocal lords, so much of it, we were able to bring so much of it and, and make a lot of opportunities happen. So, uh, that was probably very rambling, but that that was a moment that I always go back to is where things started to open up for me. Great. And how old were you at that time? When was that? God, I was probably, I, I was uh, late 20s, I think. So like I said, I'd been working before then. I'd been doing, you know, um, but that, that was definitely a, a watershed moment where I felt like things had changed, where suddenly it was okay. It was getting a little... Not easier. I don't want to say that, but uh, you know, we're opening more. up in it. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah. More. Mm-hmm. So I, I missed all that. So I was away from New York until 2003 when I came back. So now, though, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum from small theater productions in in New York City. You work for the Lion King, as as we touched on. What kind of facilitated that? Because I'm 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 just assuming, and I don't want to put words into your mouth. Disney's a very large company, and yes. You know, did you feel like you had to put any of your kind of pride on the shelf that you really, you know, to work for the big guys? What what really kind of initiated you joining Disney and joining? Well, it, it was it's a it's it's wild. So I first auditioned for the show uh, six months after it first opened. So back in the late '90s, whenever that was, '97 or '98, uh, and didn't happen. And the guy that was playing my role stuck with it for 13 years. Good for him. And then there definitely was a point, I had some friends who were in the show, and I remember there was a point in my 20s and 30s where I just thought, I'll never do it, you know. Even if they called begging me, I wouldn't do that because it wasn't Disney. It had nothing to do with Disney. It had to do with going into a long-running show that was already established. Because in my head, I thought, the stories that I had heard or I assumed was to go into something like that, it's like a machine. And you're going to have no creative freedom and it's just going to, you're going to have to do this, move here, say this line this way. That's what I was assuming it was going to be like, because it was, you know, if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. So I just thought I have no interest in doing that. So cut to me having my first child, my son. And I remember at the time everyone was like, oh, babies bring money, babies bring money, babies. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, I had the worst year of my career after my son was born. Um, you know, like any commercial work I had, it, it wasn't awful, but it was just, things just dried up. And, you know, it was more, and now it was, it, before that, it didn't matter because it was just me and my wife and everything was fine. I'm like, okay, if, you know, we got to scrimp and save, it's good. But now we have a kid. And so things are a little, you know, the stakes are raised. So how am I going to support my family? And I was doing stuff. I was still acting and doing shows, but, you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, big money makers. Uh, and then my daughter was born. And then shortly after that was my audition for The Lion King, maybe like a month after that. And at that point, it was just like, well, this is a great opportunity. Who am I? You know, all those thoughts I had before, 
were gone. And I said, let me, let me go and do this. Also, because I knew the role would be great for me. I was like, I, I could do this. Like, this is something in my wheelhouse. And wow, I can't believe it's open. So I went in a long story short, I had a really wonderful audition process and got called back several times and I got it. And it was thrilling because one, it was my first Broadway show. I'd been working as an actor for years, but this was Broadway. And to have any other thoughts other than this is amazing would be stupid. That would be ridiculous. So that was exciting and thrilling. And I remember thinking to myself, and also, you know, there's financial stability there now with two children. But I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm just going to shut up and smile, you know? And if everything that I heard in the past is true or my assumptions were true, I'll do it for a year. And then if I'm miserable, I'll leave. But I'm just going to, they want me to do it this way. I'll do it that way. I'll do whatever they want. This is a great job. Well, I was so pleasantly surprised. I showed up at my first rehearsal and it was anything but that. It was all all the, you know, the the images I had of this machine and I'm just a cog in the wheel were thrown out and they let me sort of have free reign. I mean, I wasn't changed. I couldn't change the script or anything. But they were so open about, no, we hired you for you. We want to see what you bring to this. And the guy playing Pumba, uh, Ben Jeffrey, who's a, one of my dearest friends now, he he came in new as well. So we got to basically start the show from scratch. So it ended up being this amazing experience about, you know, you talk about going into like the big guy, the corporation, you know, I'm sure there's stuff like that. You know, there's still the the corporate side of Disney that I, you know, don't deal with, but in terms of the artistic side for us, they were, they were wonderful and they really let us play. Uh, And, you know, I've been there for 10 years now and which is difficult for an act, you know, to, there are those moments where you're doing the same thing night after night after night. That's the difficulty of theater. And the challenge is how do you make it seem new every single night? And they've been open about letting us try. And they've been very smart about coming in, you know, and being like, look, we don't want this to become a museum piece. So how are we going to freshen things up? So it's, you know, it was, it was a wonderful surprise in, in that sense. That's good. And, and I bring it up because I think it's so important for creatives to be financially independent to cre- create a career, long-term career, where you can support a family and, you know, not always having to worry about that, you know, kind of maybe the, the next gig. I mean, everybody had passed. There's not, no such thing as career, you know, security right now. So you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but even before COVID, it was always like, exactly. at least for where, where I was living, it was like every every show was my last show. I mean, my wife would always, I was always worrying like, what's going to happen when, when Lion King is done? Lion King is will never end. Lion, it'll be like the bombs will drop and there'll be the cockroaches and Lion King will be going. But my tenure in Lion King is going to end at some point. Yeah. And my wife was like, yeah, but you get another job. And I'm like, but you, you don't understand because she's a teacher. So I was like, you, you don't understand. You know, every job could be my last job forever. That's how every actor, every anyone in, in the creative field thinks. So, so uh, how do you, so first of all, you have a wonderful, wonderfully supportive wife. Um, going to yes. point that out. It sounds oh, yes. like. Um, so that's really good. But how do you manage that anxiety around that? Because I do think about that when I, you know, when I think about actors in general and just a creative career and I danced in high school and college, I knew I was never going to have a career about that. But I, I also knew in college, like I need to be financially independent. So um, and I couldn't even like, you know, really put myself out there to even try to have a career in dance. So, but how do you manage that uncertainty? Oh God. Therapy now. Uh, <laughs> you take care of yourself. You take care of your mental you gotta health. Take, you got to take care of yourself. That's something, you know, 
going back to what I would tell myself is 26 too is, you know, saying like, be open to everything and say, it's really important to say yes. And, and to say yes with a good attitude. I think it's also just as important to, to know when to say no, when to say, this isn't good for me, you know, and not, not in a bad way, not in a negative way, not in a, you know, flip a person off way. No, I'm not going to do that stupid job, but just, you know, as I was saying, it, there, there is that anxiety that this job is going to be your last. So you're saying yes to everything. Yeah, oh, I'll do that. You want me to hire? I'll do, you like me? Oh, great. I'll do this. I'll do that job. And you can overwhelm yourself. And you have to take agency and be able to say, no, I need a break. I need, and that's been tough too, because even when I'm doing The Lion King, which is, you know, this wonderful job. As I mentioned before, I also do a lot of audiobooks and I do a lot of other work and I've been been lucky enough to do film and television in between there. But it, one of the reasons is because my wife would say to me, I'd be exhausted or I'd lose my voice or something. And she'd be like, why don't you take a break? I'm like, I can't, you know, because when The Lion King ends, I'm going to need to go back. You know, I'm going to need to continue this work in audiobooks or this film work or whatever. She's like, yeah, but if, you you know, if you can't get out of bed, you can't do anything. So there is that, there's something nice about being able to say no, like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I just can't do it now. You know, I, I have to say no now. And then eventually those things will come back if it's done in a nice way. If people want you in any position, they're going to come back, hopefully. So I think that's a big thing. It, it, that I found recently with that anxiety lately of being able to say, I thank you so much. I just can't. I need a second to breathe. Uh, and I think for the most part, especially now, people understand that. People get that. Uh, you know, and aside from that, how to deal with the anxiety, it's just always, yeah. And, you know, keeping yourself busy, finding Finding things that make you happy outside of the job and outside of work, I think is really, really important. You know? Yeah. So, so in addition to the different jobs that you have, what do you do for fun? Like with your children, I, I feel like you're so involved with your kids. Keep yeah. We yeah. try to be. I mean, for me, gosh, I mean, just going out and having a baseball catch with my son for, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day, like that'll do it. That'll be fine. Like it, just having that, that quiet time with him or, you know, going kayaking with my daughter, something like that, you know, just, just trying to pay attention to what they enjoy doing, you know, and, and, and doing that and that just making sure that I'm there. My dad was, as I mentioned, he was a musician and he had, he kept very much, you know, we have, we have very similar schedules and he wasn't around that much. And, you know, so I didn't have a lot of the, and, you know, my dad and I have a, have a, a lovely relationship, but we didn't have a lot of that growing up. So I'm really trying just to be there as much as I can for my kids to have that relationship and to have those moments, even if it is just like, Hey, let's Ben, let's go. Let's have a catch 10 minutes, you know, before I catch the train, just getting that in, I feel is, is really important. Uh, you know, and then for myself personally, I'll just, just going downstairs and banging on the drums for a bit, you know, taking the cranking up the guitar or whatever. That's, that's great. Going out for, you know, going running, just having something, you know, just to, to do, just to get your mind off of things for a while. Yeah. That's great. You definitely have a rich personal life. Um, although I would think ha having a career, um, in acting, performing, it's all 
personal. I mean, no, nothing professional is not personal, but I feel like definitely having to be put yourself on stage every day. Like you can't fake that. <laughs> you, you are. No. Yeah. You have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an, it's important to, you know, th- there's definitely something about the, the show, like I mentioned earlier, doing any long running show can be tough, but you know, 10 years, and there's there can you can definitely fall into that trap of just sort of walking through it and be like, ah, oh, do I want it? You know, it's like any job. You show up. I tell this to people all the time, especially to like young actors. You know, when they're like, "How do you do a show like this?" Like, look, don't. It's beautiful and it's magical and it's amazing. But there are times like anything where I'm like, I don't want to go. Yeah, I don't want. I just want to stay home. I don't want to do this. You know, or you show up and you're just like, I'm tired. I just want to. Why am I? Why am I gonna say Akuna Matata again? Now the difference is now if I go out on stage with that attitude, then then I'm in I'm in big trouble because what I got to remind myself each time is, okay, great, you got that out of your system. Now shut up and remember that your job is to bring this first time experience to everyone out there, and there are people out in that audience who have never seen a show before, let alone a Broadway show. There, are, especially with our show, there are kids out there. This is going to be their first experience, and as actors, it's our job especially in theater to, you know, whether it's a long running show or, you know, a short run show, it's our job to make it seem like it's the first time, like it's happening at that moment every night. So that gets even, that gets magnified even more with the long running show that how do you keep it fresh? And that's the job. That's really the job is keeping it fresh every single night. And yeah. And I also say, you know, whatever, to me, I can't just leave everything off stage. And I think it's important for an actor or for anyone to take whatever's happening in the real world, you know, bring it with you. I, I always say like, that's going to energize you more. You know, that doesn't mean I should start cursing on stage because I miss my train off stage, but there's still an energy about that, that energy of, oh, I missed my train. I got to run to the theater. That's going to still follow me on stage. And I'm not going to deny that completely. And I'll, I'll see I'll see where it takes me. And just that alone is going to make it a new, fresh performance. It's going to be something different that no one's So just no channeling seen. whatever you're feeling before you get on stage into just having like that energy to provide. I, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's still remembering the task at hand. I still have to tell the story, you know, so I can't let it veer me too much off the story. But if I don't block that off, if I'm open to what, I mean, I, I'm not... I wish I were more spiritual, so I don't. So it's it sounds hokey for me to even say this now. But whatever the universe is giving me, you know, and the world, whatever it's giving me, to take that and just let it come out. I think that's really important, and that's what's going to keep things fresh. And then, hence, I'm doing my job, and hence, I'm being fulfilled in my job. Yeah, you know, because that's the key. That every night I want to walk off being thinking, oh, okay, well, that moment was different. There's something a little, there's something a little different there, and that, you know, that excites me and makes me go great. I'm still in it. I still want to keep doing this. I still have something to give. I don't know if any of that made sense, but uh, no, it does. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking that is such great advice and such a great way to wrap up our chat. And because this, that's exactly what I wanted you to, you know, you to share, like how you do keep going, how you keep things fresh. And I think that that's so important in, in your career and a creative career. And then also an office job, <laughs> you know, like right now, 
we're talking about the great resignation where people are get just, you know, need a change and, and are leaving, you know, corporate jobs and droves. But, um, yeah. but sometimes you just have to figure out how to be happy with what you're doing and make it fresh every day. So, and Absolutely. then the spiritual stuff as we get older, you know, I embrace that. I think there is something, you know, you got to look to the universe sometimes. You can't control everything. And then sometimes you just have to accept stuff. So, yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Fred. It has really been a gift to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on this podcast. It's amazing. It's so great that you're doing this and that it's so successful. So happy for you. Well, thank you. For more information or to join our community, visit our website at monumentalme.com or follow us on Instagram at monumentalme.we. And if you have any suggestions for interviews, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at monumentalme.com.